Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Corinne Pettit, and I'm here today with leading dermatologist and geneticist, Dr. James T. Elder, to discuss genetic risk associated with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis and the incredible research his lab is conducting to gain a better understanding of how both diseases develop. Dr. Elder is the Kirk D. Wepper Professor of Molecular Genetic Dermatology and Director of the Training Program in Cell and Molecular Dermatology at the University of Michigan Department of Dermatology. Dr. Elder's laboratory is a world leader in the use of molecular biology, genetic linkage, and association techniques to identify how the immune system activates in psoriasis and joint destruction in psoriatic arthritis. The study of genetics and psoriatic disease has always been a major emphasis of the National Psoriasis Foundation, offering support to Dr. Elder and many others with similar interests. Through the 30 years Dr. Elder has worked in this area, his lab research efforts have identified 60 genomes associated with the development of psoriasis. His lab's current research efforts focus on the measurement in which genes are turned on and off in psoriasis and finding additional biomarkers for predicting the risk of psoriatic arthritis. Welcome, Dr. Elder. It's an honor to have you on Soundbites today. Thank you for taking time to discuss genetic risk associated with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. So to begin our discussion, let's provide some background information for our listeners. Can you please explain what the Genome-Wide Association Study, or GWAS, is and how it relates to your research? Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Genome-Wide Association Studies are basically looking for differences between cases in controls in something that's called, I'm sorry for being technical, an allele frequency. Genes don't always come identical for each different person. We all have the same set of genes, but they come in slightly different forms. And what GWASs do is measure how often people have one particular form of a gene or more broadly, a genetic variant. Oftentimes we find that genetic variants that we want to pay attention to are not always in the genes. And the reason we want to pay attention to them is when the frequency of these variants is different in the cases and the controls. Pretty abstract idea, but it's something that has really panned out over time. And how large is the sample size for psoriasis in GWAS? And does that data represent different types of psoriasis, such as plaque or gut tate psoriasis? Our current sample size has about 40,000 cases and 150,000 controls. And we've done that not just from work we've done here at Michigan, but by statistically aggregating studies from many other places around the world. So it's big. Now, most of the cases that are in these studies are plaque psoriasis. This is a numbers game. To be able to draw conclusions in in GWAS, you need big numbers. So if you try to focus on the really rare types of psoriasis, like let's say inverse postular, erythrodermic, or even guttate, you kind of lose the numbers game. 
So we collect patients with all kinds of psoriasis, but the vast majority of people that we've studied, and sometimes we even restrict the studies, are people who have, just like in research studies, particular well-defined types of psoriasis like chronic plaque. And how does the major histocompatibility complex, or MHC, relate to genetic associations? The major histocompatibility complex is the place where the genes that recognize foreign antigens live. And those genes are called HLA genes. And many diseases have some of the, but not all, but many have some of the strongest genetic associations inside the MHC. So I mentioned earlier that your lab has identified 60 genetic signals associated with psoriasis. What are some of the pathways involved in the development of psoriasis that your lab has found? Well, thank you. It's not just our lab. This has been a real collaborative effort all around the world. I talk about it as a play in four acts. The first act is the act of antigen presentation, the way that immune cells pick up little bits of our foreign invaders and show them to the immune system and get them to wake up and attack it. The second pathway involves signaling through a somewhat esoterically named signaling system called NF-kappa-B. NF-kappa-B is a transcription factor that can be recognized by genes all throughout the genome that are involved in inflammation. And when that pathway gets going, a whole lot of immune cells get going at the same time. So the third pathway is something I call the IL-23 TH17 pathway. This is something that's only been recognized more recently, let's say the last 15 or 20 years. And that's where a lot of our new drugs are coming from. And that promotes a special kind of inflammation, which is promoted by a signal called IL-17 that comes from T cells. And the fourth pathway has to do with the way that keratinocytes and other cell types respond to IL-17 signals. That one is also very important, but so far that signaling pathway hasn't really been targeted for the treatment of psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis. It's called the ACT-1 pathway. Yeah, and given what you just mentioned, it sounds like your research is key to identifying potential treatments we've all heard of, such as IL-17 and IL-23. Would you agree with that statement? Very much so. It's been a very gratifying because we started this research a long time before any of these other drugs were ever in trials. You could say that it's like the tortoise and the hare, and we were a little more like the tortoise. But we ended up at the finish line at about the same time where tracking down the genetic signals led us to the same biological pathways that seem to work in patients when they're targeted by biologics. I guess I would have preferred to be the hare, but I'm happy enough to be the tortoise. Well, we're really happy you're all reaching the same conclusion. So it seems like there's potential overlap in the molecular pathways associated with psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis, and other inflammatory diseases. Can you comment on this possible overlap and provide an example of a molecular pathway? Yes, I can give you two. One is the NF-kappa-B pathway where there's this special protein that works like a break on inflammation going through NF-kappa-B. It's called A20. It's encoded by the TNF-AIP3 gene. We have found different variants for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. 
that are part of the same gene, but they do different things within the gene. And that's one of the things that tells us that they're so important. On the IL-23 TH17 side, the IL-23 receptor, we've had very similar types of findings where we can see two different types of effects on the IL-23 receptor gene, which is the gene that sees the IL-23 receptor and tells the TH17 cells to turn on. We've seen different signals for them in psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. And also, of course, the MHC, which is where we recognize foreign antigens, we have found differences in the MHC between cutaneous psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. So those are three examples. And isn't it true that identified genes may not be the ones causing the disease? Can you please elaborate on this comment? Yes. Think about a rubber band airplane. We all had them when we were kids. Originally, it just has a loose rubber band, and you start winding up the propeller, and pretty soon the, the rubber band is all in knots. Well, that's the way our DNA actually is in our bodies. It's very condensed and folded up into many, many loops. And sometimes the genetic variant is at one base of the loop, and then the loop goes around, and then the gene that's being affected is a loop or two or three over. And that's the tricky part. And that's what we're trying to work out right now in our research. Yeah, that's a great comparison. Thank you. So we know environmental factors are involved in the development of psoriasis. Is familial tendency considered a factor and is it dominant or recessive? In fact, it's neither, unless it's in very special cases. There is a different mode of inheritance, which we call polygenic. And that is the one that fits psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis the best. So, for instance, sickle cell anemia is a good example of a semi-dominant disease. One bad copy, you have the trait. Two bad copies, you're in trouble. That's because the whole problem is caused by the bad folding of the hemoglobin molecule. In psoriasis, where we already know we have more than 110 genes, it's small differences in a lot of genes added up in each person to see the outcome. And this actually puzzled a guy named Gunnar Lomholt way back in the history of psoriasis genetics, where he measured, uh, he tracked down everybody in the Faroe Islands and the North Sea and tried to do their family histories and they never quite worked. Some of them seemed dominant, some of them seemed recessive. And as we continued to work on this, what we really realized, and this is true of many other similar diseases to psoriasis, that it's really more polygenic. And while I think we'd all like to have it be easier to explain, that's just the way it is. So what is generally the familial risk between a parent and a child? The overall prevalence of psoriasis, at least in this country, is about 2%. And if you have a parent with psoriasis, the risk to the child is more like 10%. So it is quite a bit higher if a parent has psoriasis. But that doesn't mean that it's dominant or recessive. It just means that that parent, and probably even the other parent who didn't even have psoriasis, was contributing genetic variants that contribute to the risk of that child having psoriasis. It's kind of mind-bending. And in the context of other diseases and pathological pathways, could you say psoriasis is one of the most understood of the chronic inflammatory diseases? I'd say we're right up there. 
and I've been proud to work on this. We're up there with some other diseases that are pretty high profile, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, what have you. But what I'd like to emphasize is that there is a commonality of even though the pathway isn't exactly the same for each disease, it seems to be running through the same set of genes in somewhat different ways. And so I feel like I wouldn't characterize this as being ahead or behind of anybody else, but we've just made our own contribution along with many, many other researchers. Yeah, and we really appreciate your contributions to such a research. So given your current research, how will your efforts help identify those at risk for psoriatic arthritis? We and others are measuring just a lot of different things. I, I think our biggest contribution has been looking at the genetic differences, which can produce a score when you look at variants across the whole genome. We found that you can produce a score. If you think of coin flip as like flipping the coin and it comes out 50-50 in terms of if you guessed that the patient had psoriatic arthritis, but they didn't or vice versa. And this is just among people who have psoriasis, whether they're going to get psoriatic arthritis. Our coin flip is more like 75% instead of 50%, but it's still pretty far from 100%. Now, people are taking serum samples and RNA out of the blood and out of tissues, trying to add to that predictive score. And, and we are a big part of that as well. But I'd say our biggest contribution so far has been that Using genetics, we can get to a 75% coin flip instead of a 50% coin flip. Not what we'd all like, but it's better. It's still 75%. That's great. I'm so glad to hear that we're moving closer to identifying a predictive score. And with what we've learned today, what do you envision will be the future direction of your research? I was fortunate before I ever became a dermatologist to be a person who studied the globin genes we're still working out the structure of the globin genes, and then we started to work out their regulation. So mainly the future direction of my research is to find out how genetic differences between people control the way that genes relevant to psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis are regulated. And as I mentioned many times, this has to do with the rubber band model and transcription factors and things that might seem subtle, but in fact, if they are at the root of it, they need to be understood, if only to figure out, because if you're confronted with a, a piece of the genome that's got 10 or 20 genes in it, and your genetic signal has only led you that far, how are you going to know which one the real gene is? The studies we're doing now, we envision that that's going to tell us which one the real gene is, and even though we're probably not going to be changing our genes, we'll know the right gene to attack using other tools. It's really amazing how far the study of genetics have come. Do you have any final comments you'd like to share with our listeners today? Well, I want to thank the NPF for its support. And I hope that our listeners have enjoyed this talk as much as I have. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Dr. Elder. I'm sure our listeners found our discussion today just as interesting as I did. Such fascinating research is being done to discover why psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis occur, which could someday lead to methods to preventing the disease altogether. Until that day, during August, which is Psoriasis Action Month, you can learn more about inflammation, types of psoriasis, and treatment options by contacting our Patient Navigation Center to request the new Psoriasis Action Month free e-kit by calling one 800 
723-9166 or emailing education at psoriasis.org. Learn more and continue to live your best life with psoriasis. Finally, thank you to the following sponsors who provided support on behalf of Psoriasis Action Month activities through unrestricted educational grants. Amgen, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Janssen, and Novartis. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Ghana, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.